Hello, welcome to the Hull City podcast named Wise Men Say. This is a brand new podcast uh, with myself, John, and my co-host, Alex. Hello there. Good evening. And we're just starting out on the podcast journey, hoping for a little bit of optimism going into the new season. Obviously, a, a bit of a turning point for the club. We'll start off, Alex, by sort of introducing ourselves a little bit and just talking about our backgrounds as City fans and things like that and what we what we do in our spare time. So, do you want to kick us off, Alex? Yeah, sure thing. So, uh, as John said, my name's Alex. Um, I'm coming up to be uh, 30 years old next year. Um, I actually live in Barton up on Humber, um, just south of the river, but um, remain loyal as a Hull City fan. Um live with my fiance Sarah, who doesn't like football. Um but um I also work at Waitrose in Willoughby and I've supported Hull City since I was round about seven, I think. Um and I've been going on and off uh, ever since. How about you? Oh great. Um so yeah, um quite a well, we grew up together, didn't we? Pretty much uh, from secondary school, so we've we've known each other a long time, and we've been Hull City fans uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, at my journey started off walking through the gates at Brewery Park uh, in the sort of mid nineties when I was around, I'd say four or five years old. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about Mark Greaves later, but um, definitely one of my first memories of Brewery Park is seeing the likes of Greaves and and Whittle, uh, Mark Edwards, and players like that. So um, yeah, my journey started in the in the nineties, and I've loved the club ever since. Really, um, following on from obviously moving to the K Corman and through there, really. Um, so my my career, uh, I'm a I'm a teacher at primary school in Hull, and still I live in Beverley now, but you know still obviously close to the area, and uh, formerly a, an academy coach with Hull City as well. So I've got quite close links with the club. Yeah. Um, for quite a few years as well. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the the cup game from uh, from Tuesday a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, got some sort of academy ties there as well. So primarily a Hull City fan, and that's what this podcast is about, really. So yeah, great yeah. to finally get the ball rolling. We've talked about it for a while, haven't we, Alex? And it's just good to get going with it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you're right in what you say. Like there's a been a bit of a negative time for the club and we don't really want to talk too much about the negativity we want to like try and bring some positivity to the fans and and try and sort of spread some joy and bring back the love for football um, which we obviously both have but yeah so it's all about good vibes this podcast yeah definitely looking yeah. forward uh the only times really where we'll look back on this podcast is when we uh, look back on to to happier times yeah. and we'll sort of get some blast from the past but really, it's all about us looking forward now and seeing if we can rebuild and and sort of get ourselves back to the championship and and further. But we um, we've been supporting the club for a long time and we've supported it through many divisions. So this season, like no other, we'll be supporting the club, and that's why we're bringing the podcast uh, from from today onwards. So yeah. speaking of looking forward, Alex, we're going to start off with the pre-season and and the transfers, yeah. uh, particularly the arrivals that we've brought in. So we've got, um, and I don't know more if, I, if I've missed any, but we've got uh, obviously Doherty, Coyle, Emmanuel, Alfie yeah. Jones, and Richie Smallwood. 
And from what I gather, uh, we have obviously acquired Doherty for around 400k and Coyle for 350k and then a couple of frees in Smallwood and Emmanuel. So we've, we haven't spent much money, but what stood out to me was obviously we've recruit, recruited, I would say, quite savvy for the league that we're in. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the one that I'm probably looking forward to the most is probably Doherty, um, mainly because, by all accounts, he had quite a good um, reputation from being at Rangers. Um Emmanuel, I think, is a good signing as well. Um, I think, in general, the signings, like you say, are pretty low-key. But um, what can you expect in League One, really? You know, you're not... Yeah. Like, we, we played Sunderland, obviously. They 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 have a marquee signing um last couple of years in the, in the manner of Will Grigg. Now, just because you spend that amount of money doesn't mean you get success in this league. So... I agree, quite savvy um, and probably decent signings. Um, and also not too too concerned about the players that left as well. Because um, by all account, I, I think I've heard that Tafazoli's gone to Wickham. Yeah. I don't know if that's been, has that been confirmed. Yeah, confirmed, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we have, we've received a fee for him, which again is a free, is a free transfer in, so we've, we've yeah. made money for Tafazoli. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, good, good bit of business, I think. Definitely, yeah, and um, I think with Richie Smallwood as well, he's he's had experience of a couple of promotions out of League One. Um, quite, uh, sorry, McCann alluded to the fact that he's bringing in a real leader and a warrior to the team, and it's it's all a part of that culture change, isn't it? But what really stands out for me uh, is the Coil signing, um, yeah. because particularly one for the fans, really, I feel like it's a really good. Bit of PR from the club, bringing in a whole lad. Yeah. Obviously, he's sort of dream move as well. League One team of the season, and he's he's got that natural coil bite about him of wanting to succeed and, and being a winner. So hopefully, he'll instill a bit of that attitude in, and a bit of passion into the dressing room. Where at some points we felt that there wasn't that fight there or that passion for the club, he will certainly bring that. And uh, paired with Smallwood, who's a bit of a well, we hope he's a bit of an Ashby type character. We've got a few warriors in our team now, which is what we need. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was, I agree with what you. McCann's trying to change the culture in the team to, like you say, a culture that's going to fight for each other. Um, which, like you said, there's something that's really been lacking in the team. You know, I don't. I've always said in football, I don't mind if my team loses if they've given their everything. And can can this bunch of players last year or maybe even the last two seasons say they've given everything and left everything on the pitch? I don't think they can. No. So I think you've got to have a good mixture of, of talented footballers and um, and people who are going to be in the trenches with you. And maybe Smallwood, Coyle, to a certain extent, Doherty and Emmanuel, maybe they'll bring that between them. Um it's interesting that it's made Smallwood captain. Do you think that's part of that transfer as well? Like we're not gonna go with Devise again. We're gonna Yeah. We're gonna go with Smallwood and see if he can instill a bit of grit. Well I see that. Yeah, that's a good point bringing up. And I, I think that McCann has 
swept that under the carpet quite well in the press conferences, actually, when asked about that. Yeah. Because it was all about us thinking when Smallwood had the captaincy, we were all thinking, well, that to see you later, Jordan Vice, that, that's him gone. But he's actually said, like, about obviously having our club captain and vice captain leave in the same week uh, upon returning from lockdown and, and device sort of stepping into that role. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's been made vice captain. There's been no sort of publicity about a vice captain, is there? So I don't know if that's maybe a quiet word in saying, look, you know, you need to focus on your game because yeah. your game bit once you became captain. I don't know, and uh, maybe kept him on side with a vice captaincy, but you expect him to to sort of be a leader anyway. And I think that the vice needs to sort of focus on maintaining a place in the team because for someone who was maybe potentially leaving. Looking at our squad now, we have quite a lot of left-sided centre-backs that will be fighting for that place. So he needs to really focus on that. Yeah. He's going to go to Galaxy, won't he, by all accounts? LA yeah. Galaxy. But yeah, so, I, think, I think you're right. I think for the defence, I think they really need to just focus on being a bit harder to beat. I mean, we'll, we'll come back, we'll come to the Sunderland game <laughs> shortly, but just watching the highlights, I think they really need to work on just being a bit tougher. Um, you know, this league, League One, not not dissimilar to the Championship, it's all built on a good, solid defence. Um, yeah. And, and Devise and Burke are more than capable of being, I think, the best centre-half partnership in the league. Because I, I, I feel like they're both Championship level. Well, at one point we were saying, weren't we? At one point we were saying they were one of the best pairings in the, in the championship at one point last season. Yeah, and and with Device's injury, uh, I think Burke was injured for a, a short while. Uh, and when they came back, the form didn't seem to be quite there. Uh, maybe lost a bit of confidence because of all the goals that we started conceding. Uh, but yeah, it's really. I'm glad that talk, I mentioned earlier that I wasn't disappointed with the players that left. Obviously. I wasn't disappointed about McDonald leaving in terms of his football. I feel like he was a bit, he should have showed a bit more loyalty given the loyalty that we've shown him. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's, he's as good a centre half as Devizes or, or Beck, to be fair. So yeah. if, if they manage to keep hold of Devise, I think that's that's a good bit of business as well because he could thrive at this level. Like he should yeah. walk it, to be fair. He should do, yeah, definitely. And, um, Relating to transfers, we've we've technically maintained Wilkes, uh, Malik Wilkes, after he uh, obviously made his loan permanent, and um, then we have Fester Safa, who signed back in January or maybe just after from Stockport, but then couldn't play until the season began. So we've got obviously two extra players in there as well. The the ins are looking quite stacked. What else do you think that we need? just to complete a nice balanced squad. Well, yeah, it's a good point about the about about Arthur. Um, just coming back to your point because I feel like it's it sounds a bit I don't want to be negative, but I think this there was already preparing for league 1 back in January. Yeah. Um I think that the signings that we're making then I think they were thinking, right, let's go down, let's go back up. I might be wrong. Um, but I'll I'll move on from that. Um, I don't want to get bogged down in the negativity like we said earlier. Um, so, what was your question again? Sorry, John. So, what else do you think we need um, to sort of give us a bit more going into the season? What What else do you think McCann's lacking? 
Um, I don't want to say see, it's easy for me to say striker, but if we keep Eves, like Eves is proven at this level, yeah. And if Eves stays fit, and you've got Samuelson as an option, Keen Lewis Potter as an option, um, who's the lad we signed? We've got Josh McGuinness as well. Yeah, um, who's, who's the other lad um, that we signed from? Is it Scott? James Scott, yeah. Yeah, I feel like. And, and, of course, Wilt, who is, is it like a wing-forward type player. I feel like we've got enough enough goals there. Have we got enough depth to go through? I don't know. Yeah. Because um, you, you do need depth if you can. Um, Maybe, I don't know, shore up the full-back area at left-back, maybe. Feel like yeah, I've got that. Yeah, I, th- I feel like we're confident at right-back. Um, Enough in the centre-half department. Looks like he's going to go with, like, Maybe a midfield, Doherty, Smallwood, Honeyman, maybe. Um, who knows? Yeah. If, if well, we go on. Sorry, yeah, I've just, I, I agree with you. And I, I put striker with a question mark. So it's like great minds think alike here. Yeah. Because I'm thinking this is King Lewis Potter's breakthrough season, yeah. um, hopefully. And I put left back as well. But then obviously we've got Fleming and Elder. But I do, I do think maybe we could maybe have someone push in there because. Fleming played that as a wing back. We'll cover that a little bit more. Um, and obviously, he, he might suit a left midfield or a left wing back, maybe a more experienced defensive left back. Um, because we ended up playing McLaughlin there the other day, and we might just need a bit more cover. And then I put a CDM as well, but obviously, we've got um, Smallwood, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about one of the academy lads who I thought did really well in the centre of midfield the other night so we might not you know I'm sort of ruling out all of the options that I'm writing down but obviously as a luxury if you had money you'd probably bring in extra cover there I think I think it'll all depend on if we manage to keep everyone because by all accounts as poor a season as they've had like these are all championship players I'd yeah say, that we've mentioned because um, uh, like I, I mentioned the centre-backs Burke and Devise are both Championship easy. Um, Honeyman, although he hasn't showed it, I think he is a championship player underneath. Um, even to a certain extent, I think George Long as a goalkeeper, I think he he could make it to championship level, I'm sure. Um, Certainly so yeah, spells. Yeah. I think it depends on if, if we manage to keep everyone, then I don't think we need to do much more. And knowing the Alums, I don't think they'd want to spend much more at this level um, because you've got to have a degree of financial stability given the fact you don't have all the championship revenue um, yeah. which obviously will be a fair bit higher than, than League One so yeah I think the best bit of business is we'll be keeping the squad together as it is yeah definitely hopefully obviously we're, we're under that salary cap anyway that they're bringing into League One and then we don't have to bring anybody else in or you know and if we do obviously we might be offloading some really real quality players but hopefully yeah. we can stay as we are and that's probably why, one of the reasons why offloading Tafazoli was maybe a really good move because of the salary cap so yeah but um, Terrell as well definitely he, yeah he'd have been a big earner as, as I think Kevin as Stewart was uh, Stewart. Stewart was the yeah. highest earner at the club I believe yeah, so, so we've, we've we've done some good business there. Yeah, agreed. 
Okay, so moving on then to review the two games this week. So you're going to review the Sunderland game. I'm going to review the Leicester under-21s cup game. Um, so do you want to kick us off with the EFL Cup round one game? Yeah, so literally all I've got to go by is the highlights, um, you know, which is, which is a shame. Um, I'd have loved to have seen a bit more in depth, but having watched the highlights... Um, so it, it looks like Sunderland just absolutely dominated the game, um, but just failed to convert any of the chances. Um, it, it was a really poor start by City, and we just looked like the side that we were last year. Um, literally, the first the kickoff, the first highlight reel, like some real sloppy defending by um, Devise, I think. Um, let let uh, Sunderland in, and they had, they had a shot on on. A, it w- it probably was going just wide, but Emmanuel had to clear it off the line, and I bet he's thinking, "Oh God, I've got a busy season ahead. I've I've only been playing one minute of football, and I've had to clear one off the line already." Um, <laughs> but yeah, we we went with Ingram and goal. Um, I'll give you the, the lineup if you want. So we had Ingram and goal, um, Emmanuel right back. Burke and Devise, centre half, Fleming at left back, Doherty and Smallwood um, in the midfield, uh, with Honeyman sort of playing a bit higher, I think. Um, and then, of course, the front three of Wilkes, Eves, and Samuelson. But yeah, Sunderland just they kept creating chance after chance after chance. Um, and you just felt like there was a goal coming. They had, um, they had a shot on target uh, as Sorry, a missed shot from ten yards that they really should have scored. The, the commentator described it as bread and butter for any striker. Um, Will Grick had a goal disallowed and that for uh, infringement on Ingram, and it looks a bit soft to be fair. Um, so you, you you could say it was a bit of a smash and grab, um, but I think both teams like weren't that too concerned with it. I think both of these teams both going for promotion. So yeah. I think, I feel like they're both, you know, sort of, obviously, for me, cup games, it's a good habit to get in to win. Um, so, that's the way I'd treat it. And, uh, it's a, a, a smash and grab, but we'll take it. Winning's a good habit. Get into it. I know we lost at Leicester, but, you know, that win, that first yeah. win's under the belt. Give Surely give them a bit of confidence. I know technically it's a draw because it was won on pens, but still, it'll feel like a yeah. win, I'm sure. And a quick note on the pens as well. Really good penalties. Um, looks like they've been practising and training. Wilkes had a ridiculously long run-up, like 20 yards, I think. <laughs> and he, just, he just passed it into the bottom corner. Uh, I think the rest of them, just short run-ups. I think that's the modern yeah. day. Nice short run-up and a quick buzz into the corner. So, yeah, confidence, yeah. real confidence um, from that win, I'd say. Yeah, when you talk about the winning culture and yeah. changing it, that, you were right, absolutely right. It's a good habit to get into. Yeah. It seemed to me like from watching, I caught, I caught like the second half of the game and the pens and it looked like they were aiming for a particular side of the goalkeeper. And then um, what yeah. really surprised me, but in a good way, was seeing that Keane Lewis Potter was the man to take the deciding penalty. I wonder if he's put himself forward for that. Yeah, yeah. 
He's good he's really... for the lad, isn't it? And he, he swings yeah. really well as well, to be fair. He levered it. Just to give himself that pressure of, like, I'll, I will take the winning penalty. I will be the man. So that's sort of what, you know, especially being a Hull lad as well, mean a lot to him. I uh, mean a lot to the fans as well. There's a lot of expectation now creeping in. Um, after, obviously, Bowen having moved on, who's going to be our next guy? And a lot of the lights are pointing to him, really. Yeah, because out of all of the youngsters, he's obviously the one who's sort of made the breakthrough, you might say. He's spent yeah. a bit of time in the first team, scored that um, cracking goal against Charlton to rescue a point for us. Oh, won it. Was it a rescue a point, that header? Yeah. Yeah, in the 90. Seventh minute or whatever it was. Yeah, I think they tried to take it away from all the maids, but you know it's it's his goal. He, he's even said it's his goal. So. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, the dubious goal panel. Are not have, we're not having them. So yeah, it's Keane's goal. Um, but yeah. yeah, a quick note on Honeyman as well. That must have been. I know there was no fans, but that must have been tough for him as well. To take a pen against um, against his old his old club who used to be captain. You know, his first yeah. town club, who we obviously. Um, must share a bit of fondness for. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So, good result. We move on. We have. Uh, we'll preview the second round later on in the show towards the end when we yeah. look at our previews for the next week. But next round of the cup, we're in the hat. So there we go. Um, We're going to go for the Leicester game then. Leicester yeah. Twenty ones. So from the EFL Cup to the EFL Trophy. So still in the in the cup competition, but. Uh, a really good opportunity for McCann to see a lot of the, the youngsters playing. And I quite like the way how he let his assistant manage from the sidelines, but McCann watched from the stands, gave the pre-match half-time team talks, and he he sort of observed from higher up to get a, a better view of the game, which I, I quite liked, actually. And um, it was decided by a late George Hurst penalty, uh, which was a bit controversial, but a decent game, really. The first half seemed sort of a typical under-23s, under-21s game where there was some nice football being played, but no real sort of panache or sort of penetration into the final third to create chances. But um, a, a young team, Harvey Cartwright starting in goal for the club, making his debut. Uh, his distribution was a little bit shaky, understandably, on his first game, but sort of did okay, nearly letting one of the strikers quite late on in the first half as well with dropped uh, attempts and then he's, he's re- recovered it quite well. Um, looking at the, the back four, it was quite interesting really because he played four centre-halves, he played McLaughlin left-back, then he played Greaves and new signing Jones as centre-backs, mm. uh, Alfie Jones that is, and then he played Festus Arthur at right-back. And... I'd seen Festus Arthur actually a couple of weeks before, maybe a week before, against Games for Trinity in a pre-season game where the under-23s played. Mm. And he looked really good at centre-back and he looked really accomplished. He had a, a trialist next to him and he sort of talked him through the game and it looked really solid. He also nearly had a chance to score against Games for with a header as well. But in this game, he looked very, very shaky at right-back. And he, he a really good athlete, but his first touch, he gave away quite a few passes um, he gave away a corner at one point where it got played into right back, and then he, he he went to pass it to a centre half, and he went out for a corner for them. So quite a few sloppy little bits of play there. So something to improve on. But he's a young lad, so hopefully you're looking for him to ease into this way of playing a little bit more. Obviously, he was in the conference before that, so probably not used to playing on a pitch like the KCOM. And um, it was going into 
the second half, it sort of opened up a little bit. Leicester grabbed a goal. Then Keane Lewis Potter. Uh, what a fantastic goal this was. So um, it was a, a goal sort of made in the academy, really. Apart from Jones and Arthur, who had a touch of the ball, it was all academy players starting from the goalkeeper right into to Greaves and then into Dan Batty, who then kept the ball moving. Then it came up to the, the sub, uh, Chadwick, who came on and, and put a cross in for Lewis Potter to get a, a really good headed goal, clever bit of movement and to level the tie. So that was a really, goal. Um, really pleasing goal. Great goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Um, the cross, I think, was outstanding. Super cross, wasn't it? Yeah, what's his name? The, the young academy lad, isn't he? Billy Chadwick. Chadwick, yeah. Yeah. Great cross. He just made it like Lewis Potter. All he had to do was just put his weight into it. Bang. Yeah. He had no chance of it. Really good goal. Fantastic goal. Uh, and yeah, it was just really sort of epitomised that playing through the thirds. Nice style that I know McCann wants to play, but obviously yeah. he might not get a chance as much uh, in, in certain games. And we obviously not looking back too much into last season, but there needed to be times where we could play ugly. But that, those players there showed exactly how it's done playing through the thirds. And um, aside from, you know, those performances that I mentioned, Chadwick had not played too well against Gainsborough, but obviously came on and set the goal up, so made a good account of himself. But mm. the, the one that really alarmed me in a way was was Max Sheaf because he didn't play very well against Gainsborough and he didn't seem to have a great game on Tuesday as well. So hopefully it's just a case of him starting the season a little bit slowly and hoping that he can get himself in there because obviously he went out on loan to a League Two club last season, uh, same as Greaves. And Greaves has come back, you know, with some really good reports, but hopefully Sheaf can can try and build and, and get himself into the first team plans this season. But it's going to be tough in that midfield. And um, one standout performer for me was Callum Jones, a uh, centre midfielder. And he's uh, a scouse lad, really good performance from him. Uh, McCann singled his, his name out for a really good performance in the midfield, working really hard, kept the ball ticking over. And he, he actually holds the ball really well for the, the goal in that build-up play. And I'm really hoping that he'll sort of force his way into the, the first team this season. Uh, yes. Greaves and Greenwich Potter, both fantastic again. It sort of brought me back, really, when we were talking earlier about our first memories of City and seeing, uh, I saw a little post by, by the, the club today saying that on this day in 1996, uh, 21-year-old Mark Greaves made his first appearance for City. And obviously, 23 years later, uh, we had Jacob Greaves playing as well. So it's uh, it's a, it's keeping in the family. It's it's great to see someone with that link to the club coming in and, and doing well. And hopefully, I'd love to see him in the first team this season or at least challenging Burke and Device. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It feels like a bit of homecoming as well, like we've been signing Greaves and, and of course, Coyle. Like bringing back some mm. of that, it'll connect with the fans a bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with you there. Our academy's looking really strong at the minute. Yeah. Really pleasing to see as someone who's a former employee to see some of these guys who were walking around Bishop Burton a couple of years ago and now training with the first team and and really getting an opportunity because it's been we've been crying out for for this sort of thing for years and you've had some players creeping in such as Cooper and Kearney but never really cementing a place in the team and now you. You know, you've seen more and more players getting involved. Um, it was a shame to see, like, time and leave. But, you know, Bowen did really well for us. I know he was a late comer into the academy from Harrogate, but he's still one of our products. And then hopefully we can get Keenly's part as a regular and Greaves as well. So 
really optimistic about this season and what those young lads can do as well. Yeah, I agree. It's a real, real opportunity for him. Yeah, the only, the only downside really, obviously, was losing that that last minute pen. Um, McCann wasn't happy about it. If we would have drawn, it would have gone to pens anyway, but we would have acquired a point each because in the EFL Trophy, you get a point for a drawn and a, a penalty shootout to decide a further point and that, and to gain the prize money from that that game as well. So it would have been nice to take at least a point, maybe two, but you know we'll 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 move on to obviously Grimsby and Harrogate, and I'm sure that a, a slightly stronger team will will play in those games when we've got a few more guys back off international duty and back fit as well. What are your thoughts on the AFL Trophy and the format? Uh, I, I think it's really good for... I, I think McCann got it spot on with his team selection, mm. even though we lost the game. I think it's it's that bridging the gap. I know it is for a lot of these uh, Premier League clubs or Category 1 academies who are, who are playing under 21s, but it's really an opportunity for us to do the same thing because we need to get these guys playing against men, senior football and... We're not going to be able to risk it, especially with someone who's like McCann, who's you know been talked about having his job on the line quite a lot. He's not going to risk any of these guys in the league or, or an FA Cup game. He's going to be more inclined to play them in the AFL Trophy yeah. and give them a run out. And hopefully he's been, like I say, he's come away impressed with Callum Jones and Jacob Greaves and Keen Lewis Potter. So hopefully that it gives them that chance. For me, I'm quite a big fan of it. Yeah. So in terms of the actual trophy, it's like it's a tin pot. But in terms of what you, it, depending on how we use it, in terms of development of players and giving players opportunities yeah. and testing players in different positions, it's a, a vital resource. Yeah, put it, put it this way. If McCann says this is what he's going to do with the EFL trophy and it was this sort of team all the way through and we made it to the final and I knew this team was playing, I'd probably go and watch it if, if, if they allowed at Wembley because I would love, love to see some of these Hull-born lads wearing a Hull City shirt at Wembley performing and living their dream for the club. Yeah. It doesn't matter that we were in an FA Cup final in 2014 or that we've won playoff finals there. It, mm. it would be, I'd see it in isolation on its own as an own sort of event, really, and look to see these boys playing at Wembley for our club and I'd give them support. Yeah, I would, to be fair. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't tell the grandkids about the time I went to see Hull City in the EFL Trophy final, but, you know, it's still a nice, uh, it'll be a nice memory and as a fan, you'd love to see as many games as possible. Yeah. So, is it a league first? Is it like a league? Yeah, so we've got uh, group games, uh, but by the looks of things, it, it's just three straight group games, so I don't think there's, there's there isn't like a home and away, so that is our game against Leicester gone, so we have two more games to try and get some points. Yeah. before it goes to knockout because um, it's obviously the Northern and, and Southern divisions as well in a way. So so if you lose three games are you out or do you just... Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So is it the top team and then like the top two go through or whatever? I'm not sure on the format actually to be fair and if it's top one or top two to be fair I'm not too sure but should we do a bit of research before the next podcast and we can <laughs> we can outline yeah, maybe, the yeah. detail can't we? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a, it's at least three games for our youngsters to play senior football. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Um, and hopefully, you know, Harrogate and Grimsby see it as a chance for them to get to Wembley and we'll play strong teams to give our youngsters a, a really good test like they did against Leicester and and have a really competitive game of football rather than a game that goes through the motions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was the, the roundup, really, of the, of the two games. Uh, shall we look 
forward at the predictions or did you want to go for the, the other feature first where we, we look at former players? Uh, I don't mind. Um, when do you want me to ask? I've got some quick-fire questions for you. When do you want me to Come on, then. Let's, let's, let's do the quick-fire questions now then, Alex. Okay. Right, well, I ain't got a buzzer or anything. Um, okay. But try not to think too much. Just go with On the spot. Yeah, go where you've got. So, I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got five questions. Maybe I'll do I'll do five this week, but maybe I'll do, like, maybe two or three each week. Okay. One or two. Okay, you ready? Yeah, well, as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> First question. You kind of um, stole this one a bit earlier, but, yeah, earliest Hull City memory or moment? All right, so, yeah, earliest memory. Actually, um... Although I've been, I went to games quite early. I couldn't really remember the exact game I went to, but yeah. when I was really young, I took a penalty at half time because uh, yeah. I was at the old Young Tigers Club Sports Club. So yeah. I took a penalty on Boothbury Park pitch at, uh, at half time during the game, and it's really, really proud moment. I mean, I was only about six or seven, and I bagged the pen. Uh, and you've seen me take penalties. I, I am fantastic at them, so I wonder if the keeper let it in now. But for me, yeah. it's still a penalty scored at, at uh, Boothbury Park. Uh, it's an achievement. That is one for the grandkids, that. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question. Uh, Favourite Hull City girl or girls? The reason I put girl or girls is because I tried to un- ask myself this question. I couldn't just pick one. So, yeah, favourite yeah. Hull City girl or girls? So, um, one that really stands out to me when I think of Hull City girls, there's a lot of big girls. Um yeah. And I'm sort of going to give you quite a few answers. So the girls one's a good point. So Damien Delaney against yeah. Rochdale is, is one that really stood out for me. Just what a goal it was, you know, go, yeah. just blitzing through like a Rolls Royce and then obviously shooting from quite a way out. Yeah. Um, was that was a, a good memory for me. Uh, I think it was his left thing. He took it on his left and sort of uh, went in uh, sort of that sort of outside of the foot slash laces sort of swerved to it. Was it and the team goal where he kept passing it one twos and that and then... Which one, sorry? Was it the team goal where he kept passing it and one it, twos and he sort of ran through. He sort of he was dribbling through and uh, it sort of no one could stop him. He's just mowing his way through yeah. uh, the Rochdale team and then just smashes it in. So yeah, fantastic goal there. Um the Giovanni goal against Arsenal, although yeah. I wasn't there, I remember watching it. I think I may have been with you. We were definitely at our friend Scott's house. Um, but yeah, I think you I was with me because I was there. I you was had the game, there. right? So it was me, Scott, and somebody else there, and I just remember us just all going absolutely berserk seeing the goal. Uh, I can't remember who it was now, but yeah, I mean, yeah I to see it, I'm very jealous of you being there live yeah. to see it. Best, one of the best goals I've seen live, definitely. It, it was just, it was ridiculous. I just couldn't believe I was. It felt like because it was my hometown club against Arsenal on TV. It felt like someone was playing FIFA and controlling them. And yeah. that it wasn't a real thing. The boldness um, to uh, shoot from there as well. Yeah, it was just fantastic. Like 35 uh, yards, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and then I'm going to go with two two more. Obviously, seeing that, that first Giovanni goal against Fulham, a uh, really emotional day yeah. all around, being the first day in the Premier League. Um, and it was especially because in, that, in the morning of the game, because um, during that summer, we'd been to see the playoff final together, haven't we, Alex? And then yeah. during that sum- summer, uh, my grandma passed away. We used to get us our season tickets in the, the, the Bristol City game was our last ever game. And I remember Duffin ringing the bell for all the City fans that 
never saw the first Premier League game. And then seeing Giovanni get that goal was just such an emotional uh, goal. I couldn't really put it into words how I felt. Um, so it was just a really up and like what a crazy day it was just sort of like a, a such a blur so really you know when you talk about football just sometimes writes drama that is just better than what could be even fathomed really so that was that goal and then another goal where uh, I broke down in a way was the the Curtis Davies goal in the FA Cup final yeah. uh, as a recent one just when when he when he headed it in and, and he ran off it just it just felt I, I sank to the seat and just broke down and just thought, you know, this could be it. You know, it was just, again, the, the up and downs of a football fan. Yeah. Um, but what, what a goal, what a moment. So if I had to pick one out of all of them, I'd say the Giovanni one because of the meaning. Uh, yeah. The Fulham Giovanni goal. Um, but yeah, some great goals there, some great memories. Yeah. Great question. Next question. Favourite Hull City manager? So my favourite Hull City manager... I really liked Phil Brown just because, I mean, obviously Bruce is our most successful manager and it was great having him. Mm. But Phil Brown was just, he was just a maverick in himself, really. Just, you know, with the, with the sort of earpiece and, Brown he, you know, singing, Brown, up, singing Brown on. Face. Yeah, <laughs> he was, he was, he was, you know, the, the one of these sort of celebrity and he was just such a, a maverick coach. Mm. Um, I really liked Peter Taylor, uh, and I really loved the you know the team under him. It, it felt like because I was still quite young at the time, it felt like he was going to be our manager forever, just like the, just the way we were going with our double promotions. But yeah. that Phil Brown sort of what he gave us, and I never thought we'd get it again with Bruce. So uh, I think in its isolation, Phil Brown over Taylor. Yeah. Next question: um, Favorite Hull City player of all time. Very, very difficult question. So, I'm going to go for someone who... Well, there were two players in particular that were, were heroes to me growing up because of the, the positions I played in football as well, but also yeah. how successful they were. And those two players were Andy Dawson and Stuart Elliott. I was a left, I'm a left-sided or left-wing or left-back player. Yeah. And to see Stuart Elliott go through that season in League One where he absolutely tore it apart, was yeah. unbelievable. So good. He was such a good player. But I will have to say that he's just pipped to the purse by Andy Dawson just because of how long he served the club for. And also, he, you know, bagged some worldy free kicks in his time as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Final question. Questions. Final question. Uh, not slightly different, this one. Best player you've seen play against Hull City? Um, I've got to say... There was a performance from Wayne Rooney. Do you know I was going to say this as well? Yeah, he played against. Yeah, he played against us at, at the KCOM. Yeah, um, yeah. Is it a volley he scored? Um, a half volley. He scored a, a great goal from. I think it was outside the area. Yeah, um, five yards at least. Yeah, and I just remember thinking, "Wow, you know, great." It was one of those where some of the people in the stand, um, in the south stand where I was sitting, applauded the goal uh, because it was, you know, it was that good. It was England. All, you know, all-time goal scorer, such a good player, uh, and probably yeah, the best I've seen at the at the KCOM. I was hoping to see uh, Ronaldo at the KCOM. You know, the season we were in the Prem in the first season, but Fergie played a second team, didn't he, against us when Darren Gibson scored that goal on the final day, so we didn't get a chance to see him. But yeah, Wayne Rooney takes yeah. it for me. 
I, I remember that game well because we actually were playing really well, I thought. Um, and we had Man United rattled because they started doing that old thing that United always do where they kept getting on at the ref about everything. And like, it wasn't just one of them, it was all of them. I, I think the likes of Nanny and Smalling. Yeah, we're all getting on the ref. I thought we've got we've got them on the ropes here, and then we just got a lesson in how to win games by Rooney, who just tore us apart. And actually, thought, do you know what? Fair play. Yeah, the special mention uh, goes to I'd say Frank Lampard because he yeah. scored a fantastic kick on as well. I think it was left foot as well. And uh, you know he's he, you know it's great to see Lampard. It was just amazing to see the the players that we did see. But yeah, Rooney takes it for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Okay, that's the end of Woody's five questions. Woody's five questions, that's a new uh, new yeah. segment. That's some fantastic questions there, you know. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic questions. You'll have to uh, give me some of your answers next week on the show. Yeah. Uh, so, before we do predictions for next week and we, we wrap the show up, we're going to do one of our other features, which is the whole city alphabet. Yeah. And we're going to go through the alphabet each episode where we're going to start, obviously, with the letter A. And mm-hmm. we have to use the... the Letter to correspond with the last name of a whole city player could be a legend, could be a flop, anyone who's made an appearance for the club, nice. uh, and a bit of a lowdown on them. So, Alex, do you want to start with your letter A on the whole city alphabet? Are we just doing one each, or are we just gonna like how many, yeah. however many we remember, or what? Let's just let's do one each. Let's pick your your one each, and then because uh, I've I've got a bit of a background on that. All right. Do you want to go first then? Because like, yeah. I, I've got like Nan. Whoa, we've got Nan, right? Okay. Yeah. You can reel. You can reel off the other special mentions after if you like. Well, yeah. mine's a, a former Manchester City player. Uh, he played for them between 1998 and 2000. He signed in the year 2003. Made 64 appearances, getting 22 goals in that time. He had a formidable strike partnership with Ben Burgess. And he was pivotal in our promotion campaign out of League Two. His best goal, I would say, came in a lovely one-two with Ben Burgess in a four-two win over Oxford, which was his second goal against Oxford in that game, which was in two thousand and four. Danny Olsop was my guy. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed watching him play the Aussie. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. very formidable partnership, Burgess and Olsop. You look at partnerships. In days gone by after that, and although we're in obviously higher leagues, it's really difficult to find. I honestly thought we'd get that with Long and Yelovic, but it just didn't obviously last long enough. But that partnership of Allsop and Burgess was so good, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Scott goes for fun between them. Um, yeah, really, really nice guy as well, by all accounts. Um, Danny Allsop. Um, Aussie, yeah. he's an Aussie. Yeah. Well, he went to tear up the A League after after he left us in League One. He went to just absolutely tear up the A League. Yeah, I think um, because of the cl- the club that he signed for, I can't remember who it was, didn't really couldn't really afford him. We let him go on a free, which I think was a yeah. nice touch. Yeah, was it Melbourne Victory or something like? That? Yeah, oh, team, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic player. Right, who have you got then, Alex? Well, it seems like I can't ignore this player. Um, you can guess. I'll watch. I'll just. I'll first. I'll say his position. So he's a central defensive midfielder. Um, I'll tell you how many appearances he made for the club. Uh, two hundred and forty-three, uh, and he scored ten goals. Can you guess who it is? 
Did he captain us in all four divisions? He did captain us in all four divisions. Uh, the Super Ian Ashby. Yeah, Owen Ian Ashby. Can't yeah. talk about Hull City without mentioning him. No, you Real can't. Club legend. Um, and you mentioned Phil Brown. Um, under Phil Brown's uh, tenure, Ash, uh, Ashby was like he was very pivotal, pivotal in our success um, in getting up into the Premiership, but also in the Premiership. Um, just like a real maverick um, at, at like marshalling the back four, um, and he just he struck a bit of fear, I think, up a lot of players because he was just he was hard. Do you know what I mean? He was, yeah. Yeah, one of the most gifted of footballers, and he'll tell you that himself. But um, my God, he he could uh, really like put a, like a dent in any opposition's attack. So yeah, pivotal, pivotal in in, in one of the best um, best years of our club. But yeah, also very on, uh, loyal, which is not yeah, you see. Legend. yeah, it's not soon you see a lot of football nowadays. But to play no. in all four divisions for the club. I think something like you mentioned that Andy Dawson did, um, I think that deserves a very special mention. Um, yeah. And to play with, he, he got diagnosed, I've, I've done a bit of research, he got diagnosed with osteochondral defect, uh, if you remember. He have, it's basically a burn degeneration in his femur, um, which meant that he, not only did, did he... Um, did the doctor say probably shouldn't play football, but he also may never walk um, potentially. So um, a lesson in coming back from uh, from the from the horrors as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if there's anyone who you need to get you through any kind of adversity, you'd say Ian Ashby's your man. Yeah. Um, I think one of the few effects on the club really that I think Jan Mulby brought him in, didn't they? But uh, from Cambridge, yeah. and just yeah. didn't look back from there. Absolutely. Fantastic. Who else you got then, Alex, and special mentions? So I'll, I'll reel them off. Some better than others. Altidore, Jersey Altidore. Um, yeah. One goal. But I, I mentioned him because I, I bet that um, that day that we won 2-1 when he scored, it was against Man City. And it was 28-1. to Back then, I put a quid on it. So I won 2 Fantastic. Yeah. And it was a goal as well. I don't know if you remember it. It was... Um, Ball got passed into Venegor of Hesselink in the penalty box, and then he just laid it off to Altidore and sad footed it in. Well, uh, I tell you what, if there's any American listeners, then they can obviously uh, let us know how Altidore's getting on if he's still playing. I think he's playing over there, isn't he? Or... Yeah, I still think he gets a game for the international side. Yeah. Well... I think um, for us, he was a bit raw. I think he, he missed a lot of chances. Yeah, and he came with quite a big reputation. So, but um, that goal he scored, you could tell there's a there's a player in there. Um, the other mentions I've got Stev Angus. Who oh yeah, two two games for us on loan. Gary yeah, Alexander, um, player. Yeah, good player. Twenty three goals for us, Gary Alexander. Sixty eight games, not a bad return. Yeah, long career, didn't he? As well, he's had a really long football league career. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got um, Dele Adebola, who, for all accounts for us, was ineffective. <laughs> Ten games, zero goals. Sonny Luca, uh, 90 games, 13 goals. 
when you think about it now, you'd love to have a Luca back in the side, wouldn't you? You know, he got a lot of stuff, I think, at that time. Very good player, gifted, I think. Um, Just, I I don't know, he never really fully, I don't know, had a big run of games, I don't think. He kept getting pulled out the team or whatnot, or maybe picking up an injury or whatever, but definitely is a player in there. Yeah. Yeah, Ola Aina is the next one, who I didn't realise played 44 games for us. Um, yeah, yeah, two two seasons I think on loan from Chelsea. Um, he's now in Serie A, so he's doing all right. Uh, right, yeah, for us, I think he was a bit, um, bit yeah, like a uh, bit casual. Do you know what I mean? A bit. Um, yeah, I know. Mean. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not really someone you want to write back, but who knows? He might have shored it up a bit now. And then yeah, finally, it's calm on the calm on the ball, but then there's another level, isn't there? Yeah, yeah a bit too cash. And <laughs> we've got um, Tuba Apcom, Apcom, who um, again on loan for us from Arsenal, scored three goals. Um, yeah, he's playing Greece now, isn't he? Yes, that's right. Panathinaikos, I think. Oh, he's doing right for himself, isn't he? Yeah, well. Yeah, and then obviously we've got Festus Arthur now. He's he's the one for the year in the current squad. So hopefully, yeah, in a few seasons' time on the podcast, we're we're mentioning him in a, as a pivotal part of our team. But yeah, yeah no, definitely. fantastic, fantastic. That's the whole city alphabet. So mm. next next episode, we'll be starting. Well, we'll be going on to to letter B. So again, if we um, hopefully we'll have a, a Twitter page up and running by then. But hopefully we can get some uh, some shouts from you guys as well listening. Um, so, right, to finish the, the first episode, Alex, we're just going to do a few predictions for our next two games. So, we have Gillingham away in the league in our first game of the season, uh, in, the, in the league season. And then we have the EFL Cup round two against Leeds United, the Derby. Yeah. So, and, uh, right, so what, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the two games? Um, I'm, I'm unsure, really, because... A, I don't know how we're going to play without the fans, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't know how much. Because obviously we're technically away for our first game against Gillingham on Saturday. I don't know what the impact is going to be on the fans. Is it going to be better for us because we're away and there's no home mm. fans or what? I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in there if you don't mind. And actually, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, Having the fans there would have helped us because we travel quite well and we we have good we have really good away fans. Um, yeah, really good point. my last away my last away game was Sheffield Wednesday and we were absolutely we had the home fans rocked and we have the imagine in League One where the attendance is that great we have the ability to turn up to a ground and almost take over really with our noise and especially with a lot of fans not wanting to go to the home games and putting money into the pockets of the Alums they would want to travel away. Uh, and I would have said that that would have been a really big uh, following on that first first game of the season. Yeah, very good point. So I suppose it could work to play devil's advocate. But it could play a bit of two ways if we had the fans there, because mm. the following so good and probably will be would have been far superior to Gillingham. Um, would that have put maybe an extra level of pressure on the players? Yeah, I like it. Good, good point. Really good point. Do you think it may may be better that we play our first game? Um, without the obviously we'd like it may be some time before we get the fans back. Um, mm. at least the first game they can just maybe focus on trying to get it right. Um, 
I think both teams would be nervous because um, it's 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 new. I think it's new to the yeah. players. Um, but yeah, the, hopefully, the, yeah, right, hopefully right start, all I'm asking for from McCann and the team, just like we said earlier, is play with a bit of heart um, and just try not to just let's not be as open as we have been. Do you know what I mean? Let's just start the game, stay solid, um, and build on that. Really, just yeah. I was sick of conceding early goals last season. It just killed us. So yeah, yeah. score prediction. Um, I'm gonna go tight two one win to City. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with you really about you know it could work both ways with the fans. Yeah. I feel like with Gillingham not having played since March when the when the leagues were scrapped, it it might come into our favour that we've had a little bit more competitive football yeah. and maybe hit the ground running. I think you made a great point about. Was trying to get some wins under the belt and really focusing on that first. I feel like there's an opportunity for the the team to build that excitement for us to really pull fans back in when the grounds do reopen and a little bit, you know, have some points on the board, have us in a really good position, and then you know walking, you know, up uh, walking to sort of Walton Street, thinking, right, here we go, you know, we've got a chance to to get ourselves a promotion push uh, this season. So. I'm going for a tight game. I think it's going to be quite cagey. I think it's going to be very different for our players going into a League One pitch and, you know, trying to sort of get ourselves around there. So I'm going to go with a 1 0 away win for City. I feel like McCann is really going to focus on being quite solid. And I feel like Device and Burke will sort of marshal that really well. And, and Smallwood will, will hold the midfield really well and keep us organised. And I think if hopefully Eves is fit, but Lewis Potter's got it in him sort of nick a goal a little bit similar to like he did uh, on Tuesday and we, we sort of see the game out quite well really so just getting that first win under the belt is the main thing Yeah definitely I think I, we spoke about this before me and you I think what I'd like to see from McCann bit of a challenge for him is like if like a plan B do you know what I mean like if he's, he's, he's a very pure football man he wants to play football his way and he wants a nice, open, attractive football, and I like it, and I get it. But in League One, I don't think you're going to get promoted by just sticking to that philosophy. I think you've got to be a bit more flexible in your approach, a bit more, yeah, bit more dynamic. So let's change the systems. A, yeah, you're right. Let's have a plan B, and let's have a you know change it around a bit if you need to. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid to mix things up a bit. You know, definitely. I mean, with, with the amount of high-quality central defenders we've got. It's really surprised me that he's not sampling. I mean, he may have done in the behind-closed-doors games, but it's just really surprising to me that he hasn't sampled a, a three-at-the-back approach, especially with someone like McLaughlin or Device who can play as a left-sided centre-half. Yeah. And then you've got ball players such as Burke and, and Greaves in there who can you know, come in and, and play that role there. And then with the likes of Emmanuel and, and Fleming, who by all accounts look like they're attacking minded fullbacks you know it'd be it'd be really good to see if we we had that in us um which then allows the likes of Samuelson Scott and and Wilkes who yes he plays out wide but I see more of that in, inside forward in them sort of a little bit like how I'm uh, not obviously comparing the players but if you look at how sort of Guardiola started to play Sterling and and Sane and and, and Bernardo Silva's more inside forwards rather than out and out wingers yeah. felt like there was an opportunity to sort of have a little play with that system and see if if some of those players could play a little bit more centrally 
and then allow sort of Fleming and Emmanuel or, or Coyle, whoever plays, to go up and down there. But if he was obviously playing Elder, I don't see him as that attacking sort of a person who's going to bomb on up and down, but he would he would defend really well in the four. So he's got a lot to think about, but it would be good to see a little bit of versatility and tinkering because I feel like at the minute the preparation against Hull City is quite a straightforward one. They play 4-3-3 yeah. three, three, and then they try and find a plan to nullify it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think scouts are probably go, right, well, Hull, Hull are doing the same thing they always do, so let's make a plan. Do you know what I mean? Like, mix it up a bit. Yeah. Um, I know it's yeah. like, and it's different level, but Lampard changes his formation quite frequently for Chelsea, um, depending on the opposition or, or whatever, or what players he's got available. So I think, like, the top managers have, you know, not just one formation, have two or three different plans. Yeah, have your game plans and let, let the players sort of that are available to your disposal pick your team, really, because what's. What 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 shape what formation is going to bring the best out of the the players you've got? I mean, we're quite heavy on defenders, and it's been quite a while since we've been we've looked like we've we're quite blessed in those positions. So yeah. so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So looking to the second game that we're previewing, the EFL round two game against Leeds. Mm. Um, is that away from home? Did you say, Alex? It's Wednesday. I think it's um, away. Yeah. They're going to be obviously. They'll have just played Liverpool in the league. Uh, we'll have just played our first league game, and it's going to be quite a hectic schedule for sort of both teams. Really, they're going to be looking to obviously maintain a Premier League place. Uh, we have got EFL Trophy games. We'll have early FA Cup games this year. We will be entering in round three. We'll be entering, I think, round one or two. So it's going to be an interesting team selection. What What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think. I think that's going to be a straightforward Leeds win. Um, as, as sad as it is to say, yeah. Um, I was watching uh, some on Sky Sports News about Leeds today, and it was focused on Bielsa, and like he's he'll have them players working very hard. Um, he's the sort of gaffer who's he expects next level. Um, I was, Leeds beat us obviously comprehensively towards the end of the season last season and you could see that the players weren't a million miles away in terms of quality but they were great and ethic um, the individual battles um, they just were a level above so I think whoever plays whoever Bielsa plays um, I think they'll just be that that bit better than us in terms of fitness um, and work rate, and and obviously now they've brought in a lot of quality, and he might want to give them a bit of a run out. Um, Zan, Robert Koch from Freiburg, who yeah. is highly rated um, centre half. Um, they're on about getting Rodrigo de Paul as well, who would be a class signing. For yeah, I think they might have already got it. Yeah. Have they have they confirmed? Have they? Well, yeah, I think it'd be classing any side. So I think it'll be a tough game for us. That, um, you know, I, I can't see us getting out. But it's it's a no lose situation. Let's get out there and, you know, it's Leeds in it. Get the you know, all, we talk yeah. about the whole lads. You know, if we can't get up for a Leeds game, what can we get up for? So I'd like to see us put a fight. You know, get a few yellow cards, um, and you know, give give Leeds something to think about. But yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, so, Your thoughts? 
Uh, what, what's your score prediction? Sorry. Uh, um, three nil. Three nil to Leeds. Yeah. Again, um, I'm with you really. So, I, but in a slightly different sense, I, I feel like Leeds are very successful in uh, academy setups and in uh, mm. under twenty threes. And they're, they're very, very close and sort of relating to the first team. Bielsa has got his philosophy throughout the club. And I feel like even if Leeds played a lot of young players, as, as like appears to me to say, I think, it, you know, Leeds can end up walking away with the win, especially thinking about our, our team selection as well. So I don't think either side is going to come with their best team. But at the minute, you know, Leeds' Leeds's second team will be our second team. And that's just the way... That is at the minute. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we're both wrong, and hopefully we'll come away with a, a, a winning round two, and we can, you know, you know, draw an, a, a really big Premier League team away from home, or you know, if the grounds are open, that is, or wherever for the third round. But I think it would be a, a two-nil uh, win for Leeds. I think I feel like we'd, we'll put up a really good battle in the first thirty minutes or so, and we'll, you know, we'll keep it really. KG, like you said, and, and sort of put ourselves about a bit. Oh, but ultimately, the work rate, the fitness and the, the quality might just take over yeah. and uh, might be a bit of a lesson for our young lads. But, you know, like I said, obviously we know like Ingram will play nice and experienced and we've got some good depth in, dis- in defence as well. So hopefully we, we've got enough in the squad to go and actually put in a performance against Leeds and it would be, be a great lift for the, the City and, and the club if we do manage to get that win. Yeah, just a shame the fans can't be there because I know, I know Leeds would like they'd probably take like they'd have quite a few home fans in, and I know obviously, obviously we played Leeds last year, but there's always going to be a good following to Leeds, even if it is you know in in a not a major trophy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so um, we're going for we both gone for a win against Gillingham away and a defeat against Leeds we'll see if we're right next yeah. week so that concludes our first episode Alex yes enjoyed so, it thank you for yeah, it was yeah, yeah it's been it's been good so um, thank you very much for listening to our first episode obviously we're just trying to get used to the, the whole podcast uh, malarkey and, and getting there with it so thank you very much for listening and hopefully you'll tune in to our next episode uh, which will obviously review these two games and then preview some of the following games as well. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. On There's a host of platforms that it's on, such as Spotify, Google uh, Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and so on. So find your podcast platform and subscribe. And look forward to seeing you next time. It's, it's wise, man, wise Men Say, isn't it, John? Yeah, Wise Men Say, and it's also available under a whole city podcast as well. Right, great stuff. Wise men say only fools rushing, but I am falling in love with Thank you.